No matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad it gets, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Oh, that's pitiful. Let me try this again. How many of y'all are glad, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how rough it looks on TV, no matter how bad the devil fights, no matter how gloomy it looks, we are still the victors. Yeah. Hey guys, I've read the end of the book and we win. We win. I know it looks rough and I know, I know it looks like we fumbled the ball and I, I know the score might not look all that kosher, but ladies and gentlemen, when it's all said and done, we win. We win. Now I'm going to count to three. If I can still remember how to do that. And I want y'all to give God your best praise, your best honor. Listen, the best blessing you can offer him now, because if it wasn't for him, we'd be in, we'd be doomed. We'd be doomed. And in our, in our Hispanic service last week, uh, one lady asked the question, what if Jesus didn't die for us? What if he didn't die for us? And we, we read the verse in, in Revelation chapter, listen, the, the Revelation chapter, I believe it's Revelation chapter 20, where all that's name is not written is cast into the lake of fire. That's where we would be. So because of him, we have hope. Because of him, we have a home. Because of him, we can anticipate heaven. So let's, let's do this. Are you ready? Are you ready? One. Two, three, give him praise and glory. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Man, this is a good Corona crowd right here now. All right, you can be seated. You can be seated. Okay, okay. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, it is such an honor and such a privilege to have uh, Brother Nelms here with us. Uh, it is, it, I, I mean, I'm telling you, he, he has been an incredible, incredible influence on me and the ministry here at Temple Baptist Church. We've been partnering, uh, man, I don't know how, four or five years now uh, with TTI. TTI is the Timothy Initiative, the Timothy Initiative, a church planning organization that has planted thousands and thousands of churches all over the world, all over the world. I'm not going to take up too much time telling his testimony, but but trust me when I tell you this, uh, uh, you 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 are fixing to be encouraged and challenged and blessed in just a moment. And, and, and you've already been partnering. We, we got some uh, news back from Nigeria. Uh, y'all have been instrumental in, in the planning of churches in Nigeria. Uh, that was one of the main projects we did, uh, I think, the year before last. Uh, we, have, we have seen incredible, incredible growth because of your missions dollars, because of your praying, because of your generosity and what you've done. Uh, there are going to be there are going to be tons of people in heaven that you will never know about till you get there. And so this year, this year, uh, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, I want to just catch you up and fill you in. 
And then I want to take a minute to explain exactly how we're going to do it. Uh, this year, uh, we have, we have taken the opportunity instead of, instead of reaching out to a, uh, a nationality outside of our country or a, a, a people group outside of our nation, uh, we have looked at what's happening in our country. We have looked at what's happening in our nation. And uh, how many of y'all would agree with me that our nation is in desperate need of the Lord? Amen. Our nation. Now, now we're not, we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop reaching out. Because the light that shines the brightest at home shines the farthest. Amen? But if we don't do something here, we, we, we are fixing to lose our country. And so this year, our target is America. Our target is America. Uh, and so by doing that, we have, we've had questions. Okay, how exactly are we going to make this happen? What exactly are we going to do to target America? So that's what I want to do. I want to take a few minutes this morning and explain in detail how we're going to do that. Last week, if you'll remember, if you'll remember, if you was here last week, how many of y'all was here last week? Raise your hand if you was here last week. All right. All right. How many of y'all was not here last week? Okay, we got a few. Uh, in the outline, in the outline, we said part of the outline is it, when we read the when we read the Great Commission. How many of y'all remember the Great Commission? Matthew twenty eight. Go ye and make disciples. Right. He said before, he said, all power is given unto me. Before he told you what he wanted you to do, he told you. Now don't forget, I got all power. I have all power. And you say, why is that important? Because at the last verse, he said, and I'm going to be with you. So the one who has all power is going to be with you. In Acts chapter 180, he said, but ye shall receive. Come on, ye shall receive power. So not only does he have all power, he's going to give it to you. To go be witnesses, to go make disciples. Say that with me, to go. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So we have a power. Not only do we have a power, we have a promise. He said, I will be with you always. You're not going to do this alone. You're not going to have this great responsibility all by yourself. He said, I'm going to be with you when you witness. I'm going to be with you when you share the gospel. I'm going to be with you when you go into the highways, into the hedges. I'm going to be with you when you go into the market. I'm going to be with you when you go to your family. I'm going to be with you when you share your story. I'm going to be with you when you share God's story, the gospel. Hey, somebody say amen. We're not going to go alone. We're not in this thing on our own. If all of this great responsibility of getting the gospel to every creature was solely on our ability, we'd be in trouble. But it's not because we have a power and we have a promise that he's going to be with us. Say amen. Amen. But none of that would be of much use if we didn't have a plan. If we didn't have a plan. Do you know, do you know a goal or a dream or excuse me, a goal without a plan is just a dream. Now, we're not shooting in the dark, okay? We're not shooting in the dark, and we're just going to throw money at something. And, and No, 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 no. That's not how this works. You see, TTI has been using the D&D model, the D&D ministry, all over the world, and it is, it is working all over the world. There are people being saved. There are churches being planted. Uh, there are people being becoming disciples and carrying the gospel out. Now, guess what? 
if making disciples is, let's just, let's just settle this right here. Okay. How many of y'all would agree with me that the great commission says, and this is in Matthew 28. If you don't believe me, go look at the last three or four verses, Matthew 28. He says, go and make disciples. How many of y'all would agree? That's not a suggestion. That's a command to all of us, right? So, so making disciples and what is a disciple? One who follows Jesus and leads others to do the same. All right. Say that with me. One who and leads others. Does that make sense? Okay. So that means if we're going to make disciples as a disciple maker, as a disciple, we go and lead someone to Christ and teach them to do the same. If that makes sense. Amen. Amen. If, if, (laughs) if we are not making disciples that make disciples, we're not making disciples. You know why? Because disciples make, if that makes sense. Amen. So this is a mandate. This is a mandate. Now, how many of y'all believe that the Bible is cross-cultural and it will work no matter where you use it? I am seeing this. I am seeing this. We are using a, 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 a system of Bible study in all of our micro churches here in, in Coleman. And also we have, we use the same thing in our, our one strong group, our widows group. So I, this is what I'm seeing. From, from young children to rednecks in the Bondo church to senior citizen, uh, uh, senior saints who are widows, it all works the same. You know why? Because it's God's word. Amen. Are y'all with me? It's God's word. It's not outdated. It lasts to all generations. Somebody say amen. amen. And so we, we said if it's working in, in Tibet... If it's working in India, if it's working in uh, Burma, if it's working in all these places, why can't it work in America? Now, now, listen, the American church is in trouble. The American church was in trouble before Corona. It was in decline before Corona. Today in America, in the American church, if you have 25% of what you had before Corona, you're doing good. Do y'all understand that? Do you understand the significance of that? We're in trouble. So have no fear because we got a plan. We have a plan. How many of y'all know in America, there is a lot of, we'll use the term de-church people. De-church people. That is people that have some kind of church experience, but they're no longer in. Either they got burnout, either they got hurt, either they just had an experience and it didn't do nothing for them. Either way, they've tried, and I, I use this term, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but y'all get what I'm trying to say. They've tried the church thing. And when I say the church thing, I'm talking about traditional church, what we're, what we're sitting in here now. And there is no way in this world we'll ever be able to pry them in these church doors. I have evidence of that. I've seen it in person that will not come invited a hundred times to come here. Was invited one time to come to an auto body shop to talk about the Bible. And they came. How many of y'all know, how many of y'all know there's people in Coleman County right now that will not step foot in this building. 
But guess what? We've got to change our plan. It can no longer be build a building, put a steeple and say, come on, we're open for business. Because that's not working anymore. America is a post-church society today. So if they're not going to come to us, we're going to go to them. Now watch, here's the plan. Disciples making disciples. D&D for short is simply the process of becoming like Christ and in turn repeating the process with another person. All right, look at the next. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to define some words and I'm going to do this quick. I'm going to do this quick, but you need to understand what some of these are. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to detail it, but if you, if, if you still don't quite understand, take my word for it because it works. Okay, now watch. A micro church. What is a micro church? What is probably what is probably the most famous micro church here? Come on, because you've heard so much about it, right? But Bondo Church is a micro church. It is a church not in a traditional setting. It's in an auto body shop gathered around the Bible, learning the Bible, and trusting Christ and being saved. We've had several saved. We've even had baptisms out of this. What is it? We refer to a microchurch as an MC for short. We are simply describing an intentional gathering of disciples that happens outside the of a traditional or official church building. Does, does everybody understand that before we go to the next one? All right. Instead of saying come in here, we're going to go to where they are. We have them in auto body shops. We have them in auto repair shops. We have them in the community uh, room where they eat lunch at factories. We have them in community centers. Uh, we're going to go wherever they are. We're going to them. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all know that that's exactly what Jesus did? We're not no more. Are we going to say come to us? Because nowhere in the Bible does it say do that. The very first word to the Great Commission is what? Go. Say it again. Go. Say it again. Go. So if we're not doing that, we're disobeying God's word. So basically all we're doing, this is not a new, this is not a new concept. We're just actually getting back to what the Bible says to do. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Next one. Training center, a location where training, learning and planning takes place, usually in a church building or home at the DMD house here at Temple. Now we have, we've had the opportunity. uh, uh, Most of y'all know God gave us a property across the street over here and we had a house on it. And, 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 and the original plan was to sell the house. We don't need the house. And, and that never happened. And there was a reason for it. God had a plan. God had a plan. So now it is the DMD house. It is the DMD training center. Disciples making disciples. The only thing we do over there, it is for nothing else. It is, it is what we would call sanctified. <laughs> Set apart yeah. for DMD. That is, it is for that purpose. And what are we doing over there? We're training you guys that volunteer to do it. We're training you to be a disciple who makes disciples. Say that with me. We're training you to make who, if that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now watch this, watch this. It's all about a movement. Say that word with me. It's all about a, it's not about a ministry singular. It's about a, a movement. Do you realize Temple Baptist Church in Coleman, Alabama has the only DMD house in America for now. Now 
I'm going to give you some statistics in just a minute. But imagine if every city had its own DMD house to train disciples who go and make. Can you imagine how fast we can turn our nation around? You say, what's wrong with our nation? Is it Washington? No, it's the local church. What's wrong with our nation? It needs more disciples in it. Because when there are disciples that make disciples who make disciples uh, and there's true Christ followers, the community changes. Does this make sense? All right. Now watch this. Watch this. We're going to have training centers all over the country. Next. All right. All right. Skip that one. I'm going to come back to that one. Skip that one. What is a Paul, the primary trainer and mentor? Paul's model pastoral skills while working with Timothy's. Paul's intentionally helped Timothy's make disciples and hold them accountable to follow through to multiple generations. When we first started our first training center, I, I took the first initial group, and most of y'all remember this, several, several months ago, and I was the Paul. I was teaching them the Timothy's. I'm the trainer. Those learning are the Timothy's. So I was the And the people learning were the Timothy's. Does that make sense? All right. I was teaching them and training them. This is how you share your your story. This is how you share the gospel. This is how you live full of the Holy Spirit and have the power of God on your life. Does that make sense? So we have a Paul. Second, quickly, we have a Timothy, a disciple maker and a trainer. Timothy's are accountable to their Paul and are trained to bring new believers to Christ. Disciple them and lead them to do the same. So what did we do in our training center? Say that with me in our, I as a Paul taught and trained the initial Timothy's to go out into the community and find people who do not know Jesus and share their testimony and share the gospel and win them to Christ. And guess what? That's what they did. And they're winning people to Christ. And now we're gathering them people that we've won to Christ and we're teaching them to do the same. You see it? All right. Now look at the Look at the Titus. A Titus is a new believer who is specifically identified by Timothy to be trained to be a disciple maker. Titus's are accountable to Timothy's and are trained by them to bring new believers to Christ. Disciple them and lead them to do the same. Scream was kind of high. All right. Okay. All right. DJ, come up here a minute. Quickly, quickly. Willie, come up here. Seriously. I know you're getting old. Just do what you can. Come on. Okay. Be over there, center. All right. Y'all know. All right. I'm a Paul. I'm the one who's taking the training material. The training material is right here. Okay. Now I took my Timothy. I took my Timothy. And by the way, DJ got to baptize three new Tituses, three new Tituses, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was. Okay. So I've trained Timothy. He goes and finds a sinner. No one better. Okay. This Timothy, this Timothy has won Griggs to Christ. And now he's training him to do the same. So I'm Paul with my Timothy. I've sent my Timothy to find a, a Titus. And now Titus is going to go find his. Does that make sense? 
I'm a church that plants a church that plants a church. Because with every person one to Christ, they are a potential church. A disciple who makes a disciple who will go and. Does everybody see how this works? Can you imagine how fast we can turn our nation around if we have training centers in every state, in every city? The truth be known, the truth be known, if we're, I'm going to just be blunt, every single church in America should be a training center who's training disciples that make disciples. But for some unknown reason, because of tradition, instead of training people to make disciples, we've trained people to come to church and do church. And so what are we good at doing church? And we'll brag about how good service was. We'll brag about how wonderful experience we had in church, but nobody's making disciples. That's the problem. So what are we doing? What are you giving towards? Training centers that will train disciples to go and make disciples. Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. We're going to have Paul's all over America who are training Timothy's to go reach their that's second and third generation. Does that make sense? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Timothy and Titus. All right. Now let me wrap this up. Let me show you what we've already done. How many of y'all know talk is cheap? Y'all don't believe that? Talk's cheap. I, I believe we should put our money where our mouth is. In other words, I don't think we should raise money for somebody else to do something we're not doing. So guess what we've done? We've done it first. We're going to do it. I'm not going to say to see if it works. because I know it works, but we're doing it. Now we can teach others to. Does that make sense? Say amen. All right. Watch this. Since July 2019 in Coleman, Alabama, 19 micro churches have started. That means 19 Timothys went out into the community and found lost people who are unchurched that don't know Jesus, who would not step foot in this church. Instead of saying, come to temple on, on the corner of campground road, we went to where they are and took the gospel to them. Say amen. amen. 19 different trained Timothys. The, the average attendance was 220 people per week attend a micro church. What do you, what is that saying? The outreach of temple into our community, 220 people were hearing about God, hearing the gospel, learning how to follow Jesus outside of the walls of this building. Can we just give God praise and glory right there? We've had 46 people saved, 14 people baptized. Now watch, now watch, keep in mind, this is not on Sunday. Now, some people think that people can only get saved on Sunday or in a traditional church building. But guess what? The Bible says in the book of Acts, the Lord added unto the church. If they're not getting saved on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we're not doing our job. How are we going to do that? We're going to have micro churches meeting on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And we've almost got it. We've almost got one for each day of the week. It's coming. It's coming. Now, here's what we have so far. Ten training centers started. In other words, not ten where they're just studying the Bible. Ten different training centers where they're learning how to become Timothys. Where they're learning how to become disciples who? Okay, y'all starting to get it? 
So 50 Tim, 52 Timothys, this means they've already been trained in their out. Y'all with me? They're already been trained. Titus is being trained weekly in these training centers. Three second generation micro churches. That means, that means a micro church was started. A Timothy went out into the community, found people who didn't know Jesus, gathered them together, began to share the word of God with them. Several of them got saved. Now they have been called and somebody from that micro church went and started another. Y'all see that? Second generation. That's called multiplication. Say that with me. That's the way it's supposed to be. It was never keep building a bigger building and build the kingdom by addition. God said build the kingdom by multiplication. Are y'all with me? Now, seven second generation training centers. In other words, in other words, someone was trained in the DMD house. They went out into the community and found people who didn't know Jesus, who were unchurched, that didn't go to church, gathered them together, shared the gospel with them, shared training. And now they have been called to a couple Timothys out of their, their micro church to go out and be trained to start one. Now, I know some of this is confusing, but trust me, I want to be in detail to show you this so you know where this is going. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. But the bottom line is this. This works. This works. It's not about starting a ministry. It's about starting a movement. Say that with me. It's not about starting a. It's about starting a. One more time. It's not about starting a. It's about starting a movement. We have got people ready to be trained in South Carolina. We've got people ready to be trained right now in Ohio. We got people ready to be trained right now in Virginia. We just got, I just got a text this morning about a, 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 a group in Tennessee. That's where that is, right? Ult, oh, how do you say that? Ottawa? Ottawa? Uh, Ottawa. Okay. A group there ready to go, ready to go, but they don't know what to do and they don't have the materials. Guess what? We have the materials and we know what to do. Why? Because we're doing it. So we're not, this is going to be, this is going to be the first time in missions that you'll be able to actually do here what we're asking them to do over there. Does that make sense? Isn't that exciting? So listen, we've got a plan and we need your participation. You're going to be given to the, to the opportunity for these materials, not only that, but to help send trainers to all these places. Now, how many of y'all know I can't be going to all these states? Or I'm going to see y'all about three times a year. So we're going to train people and help support them to go. If we don't do something in our country quickly, we're in a mess. It's not, it's not the White House. People need the Lord. It's not culturalistic change. People need the Lord. Listen, we don't need more education. People need the Lord. It's not protest that's going to change things. People need the Lord. Listen, help me. Help me. Please help me get the gospel to our nation. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen in traditional church. The majority of the people in America has already turned their back. Help me. Our nation needs the Lord.
And all God's people say it. Uh, Malcolm, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know where you've been all my life. And I know you don't want them going all over the country, but I tell you what, if you change your mind, I'll take them, okay? We are training right now around the world about 150,000 Timothys and Titus in several dozen countries, mainly your Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist world. You guys are funding directly right at 2,500 of those in Nigeria. To put that number in perspective, 150,000, your, your stadium in Tuscaloosa, your Alabama stadium, holds about 100,000 people so you can fill it up and then halfway fill it up again. And that's how many Timothys are being trained around the world right now. And as Brother Malcolm said, it is working. It's working everywhere because the Bible works everywhere and the Holy Spirit works everywhere. Okay? And let me tell you something, the Holy Spirit is not intimidated by the United States of America. He is not. And I can tell you many stories and talk to you a lot about what's going on around the world, but today I don't want to do that. I want to focus on on how I refer to you people all over this country. Every day in my life, I talk about those Coleman people. That's what I think. When I think of this church, I think of, I don't think of Temple Baptist Church. I think of those Coleman people. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. I want to focus on you Coleman people. What I'm getting ready to share with you is not a sermon. And if you've ever heard me preach a sermon, you realize you just dodged a major bullet, okay? This is not a sermon. I don't have any outline. I don't have a poem. I don't have any of that stuff. It's just a, in fact, I'll probably never share this again because you are those Coleman people. You are here. You're not other places. But, uh, so this is not a sermon. It's more of a, let's pretend we're just sitting in your family room, just kind of a little chat. Can I just kind of talk to you this morning? So don't, you don't have to take notes. You don't have to just just kind of like a little family chat. I know I'm kind of, I'm like the, your distant uh, uncle, but just a family chat. I want to share with you what God has put on my heart about those Coleman people. This place is special. You guys are special. God has used you, and I think, key word, think. I don't know what I'm getting ready to say is a fact. I think it's so. I've always tried in my preaching, Malcolm, to follow three words, truth, clarity, passion. Truth, clarity, passion. Truth. I don't know that what I'm getting ready to tell you is truth, but I think it is. And it can be if you're willing. It's really up to you. I think God wants to continue using you people in a great, great way. There's an incredible verse in the Bible, 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9. And that verse tells us that God's eyes roam to and fro. He's he's looking everywhere. He's looking, looking for people whose hearts uh, are perfect towards him. That doesn't mean sinless. Uh, A a heart like the heart of David. David had his issues. David had problems. But he was a man after God's own heart, was he not? And God is looking for people just like David. I, I think, I don't know it. I think he has found some people like that here in Coleman. People that he can use to change a city and maybe an entire nation. I think, I hope. His eyes are looking. Those eyes, they see everything. Let me tell you something. You have never done anything that his eyes didn't see. You might as well go ahead and confess it because he already knows. 
You have never thought a thought that he hasn't heard. You have never spoken a word that he hasn't heard. You've never, you've ne- he knows the very thoughts and motives and intentions of our hearts. He knows it all. And he's looking, those eyes, they see it all. And they're looking for somebody to bless, somebody to use. You say, wait a minute, Coleman, us? Well, I'm no prophet, but yeah, I think so. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 tells us the same thing. God doesn't look on the outward appearance like we do. God looks upon the what? The heart. Yeah, God looks upon the heart. And I think he sees a heart here that he likes. Psalms 33, 18, his eyes are looking for people that fear him. Psalms 34, 15 says his eyes, they, they, they settle on the righteous, people who are, trying, who are righteous in Christ, trying to live that righteous life. 1 Peter 3 in the New Testament tells us the exact same thing. My question is, have those eyes settled on you, Coleman? Are his eyes looking at you? As he's been looking all over this country, looking for a church that he can use, looking for a people that he can use, have his eyes settled upon you? I think they have. I think they have. You say, David, what makes you think? Well, I'm no expert. But I'm in churches literally every day in my life. I've spoken to thousands and thousands of pastors, thousands of them. I think, I think, oh God, make it so. I think his eyes are focusing on you. I believe we are quickly approaching the end. I'm not setting dates, but I believe we're quickly approaching the end. I believe he is looking for a people that he can use to bring in a final end time mighty harvest. And I think he might be looking your way. You say, David, what makes you say that? Well, what's happening here is very unique. You're not only starting thousands of churches, ends of the earth amongst people who've never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And by the way, let me just stop right there. That right there is unique. Most churches are not even thinking about people that have never heard the gospel. They're not even thinking about them. In fact, I have people in many churches walk up to me and I can say, why are, we, why are we trying to reach those people over there? It's like my mind just wants to explode. It's like, have you ever read your Bible? Are, are you familiar with like John 3, 16? For God so loves the world. Yeah. But, but you guys understand that you're not only starting thousands of churches, ends of the earth where people have never heard about Jesus, but you're also making disciple makers here which is what your pastor just told you. But I want to, if, listen, if I weren't a Baptist, I would have started speaking in tongues a few minutes ago. <laughs> listen to what he said. You're not just doing it over there. You're doing it here. You're making disciple. You're not, you're not just having Bible studies. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. And I say this respectfully. If having a Bible study was going to get the job done, how many tens of thousands of Bible studies have, been, have, been, have taken place in Coleman, Alabama in the last 20 years? That's not going to get the job done. The Bible that we, that we brag about that we're studying tells us, as you just heard, that we're supposed to be making disciple makers. Amen. You guys get that. It's almost unheard of here in the United States. Did you know 95% of born-again believers in the United States will never lead anyone to Jesus Christ, much less disciple them? 
I'm saying 95% will never even lead anyone to Jesus Christ. Statistically, 95 out of 100 in this room are never going to lead anyone to Jesus Christ, much less train that person to live like Jesus and go lead others to Christ. It is very rare, almost unheard of, to find a church where a bunch of people are making disciples who make disciples. You are approaching a movement status with your micro churches here. May I define a movement for a second? It's four generations deep. That is, you plant a church that plants a church that plants a church that plants a church. You're already halfway there in one year during COVID. Think about it. Think about that. Plant a church that plants a church that plants a church that plants a church. Now, you Timothys don't get a big head. You're only halfway there. You're halfway there, praise God, but you're only halfway there. But those, but not only that, it's four deep, but a hundred wide. Uh, again, you've planted, you're approaching 20. I think another one's starting in the next few days. I, I think in another year, if this COVID stuff ever lifts in another year, I think you, I think you can be there within two years. This comes in multiple streams. You've already, you've already got seven training centers going. That's your multiple streams. And this happens in a short time frame. If you keep going the way you're going within less than three years, you're going to be at a movement status. And let me tell you something. There are 1,300 plus movements being tracked around the world today. I do not personally know of a single one in the United States. There may be some in the States. I'm not aware of any. Nobody I've talked to is aware of any. I believe, though, God's eyes have settled on this place. You guys are as close to seeing it happen as any place I have seen in the United States. Now, there was a day when we saw great movements of God here in the States. Do you remember the Methodist circuit riders? Have you ever wondered why those guys had to get a horse to travel all those different... uh, uh, Malcolm, they didn't have a coon dog. They had a horse. Okay? They may have had a coon dog, too, but they had a horse. You know what is happening? The lay people were starting churches everywhere. They were starting so many churches, they didn't have enough pastors to, 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 uh, to, to lead them all. So the pastor had to get a horse, and he'd go from church to church to church. Those lay people, the people wouldn't stop making disciples. It was a great movement. Thousands of churches were started in the 1700s. You move to the 1800s, there was the great Baptist church planting movement. You had probably never been in a city in the, in, in the entire South from North Virginia to West Texas, but that, that city didn't have a First Baptist Church. And if you look at the history of that First Baptist Church, it was started back in the 1800s. It was started over 100, 150 years ago. I mean, by the tens of thousands, those churches were started. And do the research, do the study. The Baptist seminaries in that day were only producing 50, 100, 200 pastors a year, yet thousands of churches. You say, who was starting those, those churches? The Christ followers. Where did we ever get in our minds that pastors are supposed to start churches? That pastors are supposed to make disciples? When Jesus said, go make disciples, Matthew 28, he was not talking to ordained pastors. There were no ordained pastors at that time. The church hadn't even started yet. There was no church. He gave the great commission in Matthew 28. The church wasn't birthed until Acts 2. He was not talking to people like me. He was talking to people like each of you. That guy understands that. So many pastors can't seem to grasp that. There was the great Pentecostal movement in the early 1900s. 
again, fueled, fueled by lay people. But for the last 50 years, there's been no genuine movements here in the United States. An entire generation has gone by. And, 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 and you, if you look at our country, you can see the result of it. God's eyes are searching, they're roaming, they're looking for people who will fear him, love him, obey him, tell others about him. Is that you, Coleman? Has God, have God's eyes settled on you? Oh, I think, he ha- I think they have. I think he's looking your way. People are hearing about what's happening here. They're hearing about a pastor who's more interested in advancing God's kingdom than filling a building whose vision extends beyond the walls of this building. They're hearing about a church that believes you can make disciple makers without seminaries, without sanctuaries, without salaries. They're hearing about a church that believes in being filled with the Holy Spirit, Malcolm, just like Jesus. They're hearing about a church that understands it's those who obey Him are the ones who truly Love him. Did you hear what I just said? You can talk about how much you love Jesus. You can lift your hands so high you touch those lights. Jesus is very clear. The people that love me are the people that obey me. And his marching orders were for us to become disciple makers. They're hearing about you guys. They're hearing about a generous church that sees giving as an act of worship. And you guys are certainly that. They're hearing about a church that lifts up Jesus, not just in here, but out there where it's supposed to be taking place. They're hearing about a church that gets it, that there's no or in the Great Commission. It's not Jerusalem or ends of the earth. It's not here or there. There's several ands in the Great Commission. It's Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and ends of the earth. They understand, this church understands the Great Commission is here, near, and far. They're hearing about a church that understands there's no pleas in the Great Commission, as Malcolm just said. They're hearing about a church with people who want to live like Jesus and lead others to do the same. I believe he's looking for someone that he can entrust the message of reconciliation to. Did you hear me? I think he's looking for somebody that he can entrust, trust with the message of reconciliation. And I think he's looking at you, Coleman. And others are definitely looking at you. Many others. The news is spreading. You just had people here that came all the way from the Canadian border in the northwest to the Jersey Shore in the northeast. And once a movement gets confirmed here, they are going to be coming from everywhere. You people are going to have to build a couple new, new, new hotels. Because when they start, listen, every pastor in America would love to see happen what you guys are seeing happen here. When the news starts spreading, when you guys cross that movement level, I want to tell you something. I know what I'm talking about here. They are going to come from everywhere and they're going to be begging you to teach them how to do it. You say, David, why are you telling us all of this? Are you trying to make us proud? If what I've just said makes you proud, then I've I've misjudged you. It should humble you. It should cause you to fall in your face and say, God, I can't believe that you're willing to use us, that you're willing to use this church, that you're willing to use me. I remember when I fir- how I felt when I first realized God actually wanted to use me. You see, when I was a little kid, I just stopped talking. I couldn't talk. You say, why didn't you talk? I don't have any idea. I just quit talking. I couldn't hardly walk. I still have a hard time. I have to watch going up and down these steps, Malcolm. I'll trip. Couldn't talk, couldn't walk. You don't want to know my IQ. 
when, when it finally dawned on me that God was willing to use me, I remember thinking, why me? Why would you be willing to use me? And yet didn't Paul say that under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, Spirit that God chooses to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise? I think when Paul wrote those words, I think he had in mind people like me and perhaps people like some of you. What an honor it is to be used of God. That should not cause us to be proud. That should humble us and cause us just want us to sing and praise His name forever. Amen. Coleman, listen to me. America needs a church that means business. America needs a disciple-making church to lead the way. As a nation, we are lost in your, your notes there, your, your, the stats are there, at least 115 million Americans will tell you they're not believers. And I think it's probably about twice that many. We, we are a mission filled of 150, 200 million people that don't know Jesus Christ. We are an evil people. We ridicule that which is holy. The blood of millions of unborn babies cover our land. We export filth to the ends of the earth. We are a a, a culture of people that call good evil and evil good. We make Sodom and Gomorrah look like a bunch of Victorian moralists. We need a great movement back to God. And listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, especially you people that are posting everything on social media. It has to start in the church. Dream with me of a church on its knees, bitterly repenting over her sin. I know you're upset with the Democrats right now, and a few of you are upset with the Republicans. And some of you, like me, are upset with everybody. But when's the last time you got upset over your own sin? When is the last time you, listen, I was with a man this past week and he t- he's going through a rough time and he, God's got a hold of him. He's repenting. He told me, he said, David, my, my face is in the, we were, at a, we were in a, a, a hotel last week. He said, my face was down in the dirty carpet of that hotel, just weeping. When is the last time you just, you just were so overwhelmed by your sin that you just found yourself weeping Dream with me of a church on its knees, bitterly weeping over her sin. A church asking God for forgiveness and pledging full devotion to Him. Not a partial come to church, but a full-fledged 100%. If this book is real, if God is real, if the Holy Spirit is real, if the blood of Jesus is real, then I'm in this thing all the way. Amen? Dream with me of a church consumed not with pleasure, money, and stuff, but consumed with His glory, His kingdom, His praise, His honor. Dream with me of of a church where black and blue, brown and white, love each other, live with each other, pray for each other, and in honor prefer one another with the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind? Read Philippians 2. A mind that promoted unity, a mind of humility, a mind of of love and saying, you are more important than me. When black says that about white and white says that about black and blue says that about brown and brown says that about blue, then we're going to have the mind of Christ. Amen. A church consumed with spreading His name everywhere, putting its money where its mouth is. 
Dream with me of multitudes of Christ followers making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Thousands of little multiplying rabbit churches springing up everywhere. A micro church in every body shop. A micro church in every barber shop. A micro church in every, every bakery and coffee shop. A micro church in every trailer court. In every apartment complex. In every nursing home. In every retirement center, in every jail, in every prison, in every community center, in every university dorm, in every factory, on every farm, in every office conference room, in every neighborhood of every city across this country. A great movement where every believer is a disciple and every disciple is a disciple maker. When that happens, Satan will be angry. You better get ready. Satan will be angry. Heaven will rejoice. Hell will be emptied. Lives will be changed. Your father will be pleased. And come and one day you'll hear, well done. You say, David, can all of that really happen in Coleman? Can God? (laughs) Can God? What do you think? I think it's up to you. This I know. His eyes are looking for somebody. His eyes are looking everywhere. He's looking for somebody he can bless. He's looking for somebody he can use. And I think, I think, oh, I hope I'm right. I think his eyes have settled on you. And that makes me extremely humbled just to stand before you today. I think you're special. Out of all these churches, I think he's saying, I want to use your people. About 300 years ago, there were a group of Christians in what we used to call Czechoslovakia. Today it's Slovakia or the Czech Republic. They're called Moravians. Twelve men and twelve women in the congregation came together and they said, let's pray. Let's each of us take one hour a day and let's pray. Their main prayer was that God would raise up somebody that would care for those who had never heard, primarily caring for their souls. In other words, getting the gospel to the world. And that day, outside of Europe and North Africa, there were very few Christians. Twenty-four men and women, lay people, regular farmers, just regular normal people. They each took an hour a day to pray. That prayer meeting went on for over 100 years. Within a few decades, the Moravians had more church members overseas serving as missionaries than they had at church. Now, to put that in perspective, pre-Coleman, you guys are running 2,000. That'd be like having 2,500, 3,000 Coleman members all over Africa and Asia. Man, wouldn't that be something? During that time, there was a, during that that 100 year prayer meeting, there was an Anglican missionary from the UK that crossed the Atlantic and and landed in Georgia. His name was Wesley John Wesley. He wasn't even a believer yet. He, He failed miserably, but on that voyage over, there was an awful storm and it looked like the boat was gonna, was gonna crash and, and sink. And everybody was frantic. Even the sailors were scared. But in the hull of the boat, there was a small little group of Moravians, and they were singing praise songs to God. Even the little children were were at peace. 
And Wesley could not believe his eyes. How in the world can these people sing there and, and, and be thanking God and praising God when we're all about to die? When he got back to the UK, he was so discouraged. His ministry was a failure. He remembered those Moravians and he went looking for a little group of Moravians. And when he finally found them, he asked them, what is the secret of your peace? Why, why do you have so much peace in your heart? What is the secret of your victory? You're always praising God and you're always sharing uh, Christ with others. What is your secret? And he learned that their secret was justification by faith. In other words, we are saved by, uh, by, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If we die, we're going to heaven. If we live, we're going to praise him. If we die, we're going to praise him. If we live, if, if we don't die, we're going to live for him. If we do die, we're going to live in his presence and live for him for all eternity. Either way, we win. Wesley's heart was moved. Wesley came to be a follower of Jesus Christ himself, and he began preaching. And Wesley became the founder, of, one of the early founders of what today is known as the Methodist Church. They call them Methodists because of their methods. You know what his primary method was? He took the gospel out of the church buildings, and he went outside the walls of the churches. He would preach from gravestones. He'd preach in the cemeteries, and people would flock. People that didn't want to go to the Anglican church. They would flock to hear this guy that his methods were different. He was preaching outside of the walls of the established traditional churches. Did you know, you fast forward 200 years, missiologists will tell you that over 50% of the born again believers in the world today, over 500 million of them, trace their spiritual lineage back to John Wesley. But it didn't start with Wesley. It started with 12 women and 12 men who said, we will pray every hour of the day until the day we die, we will pray. And we're going to keep praying that God will raise up people that will care about those who have never heard. And all over the congregation as they prayed, people began to stand up and say, I'm burdened. I'll be a disciple maker. I'll be a soul winner. I'll get out there and tell people about Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, they literally changed the world. Oh, Lord, do it again right here in Coleman. My, my challenge to you, and I'm all over time, forgive me. But Malcolm, you went over time before I did. I'm blaming you. All right. See, that's half my problem right there. I, never, I always blame somebody besides me. At least that's what my wife says. My challenge to you today is this. Commit yourself 100% to him. Now, that, that doesn't mean start coming to church every Sunday. That means repent of your sins. Stop fooling around, messing around. Listen, is it real or not? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Does the Holy Spirit live inside of you? Then let's say, you've got all of me today, Lord. Commit yourself 100% to Him. It starts with repentance. If you're not yet a Christ follower, give them your life today. I'm not going to try to twist your arm. If I've got to twist your arm, I don't think it's going to be real anyway. But I will tell you this. He loves to offer grace. He loves to forgive. He'll forgive you if you want it. I'm going to ask you to make up your mind next week when pastor, your pastor says, let's take up this offering to impact America. What we're hoping to do is to raise up 25, 50 Coleman's. We're hoping to raise up 25 or 50 Malcolms. 
25 or 50 Temple Baptist churches all over this country who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. Wouldn't it be something if we could see a movement take place in Seattle and Portland? Wouldn't it be something if we could see a movement take place in Chicago? Wouldn't it be something if we could see a movement take place in Kenosha, Wisconsin? Wouldn't it be something if we could see a movement just begin all over this country? That's what that offering is about next week. And finally, pray for us. I'm going to be sitting right down here. I got 28 of these cards left. I need 28 people. I need 28 Moravians who will say, I'll pray. Come get a card. I'll sign you up. Would you stand together, please, as Pastor Malcolm comes? I think he wants to use you Coleman people in a great, great way. I think he wants to use you Coleman people in a great, great way. I pray you do not miss the day of your visitation. His eyes are looking. He's looking. He's looking for a people he can use. When his eyes one day settled on me, I felt so humbled. You know what I did? I left my seat and I came and knelt at the altar. And I said, Lord, I'm about the last person I would have looked at. I'm the last person I would have chosen. But if you want me, I'm yours. I was a 12-year-old boy. I'm 66. I don't regret that decision. My only regret is that I didn't do it when I was like six. Okay? Can we start today? I think God wants to use those Coleman people.